Hi, this is the podcast channel of Lighthouse Church in Ottawa, Canada. We are a family. We don't do life alone. We are about the one, each and every one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our hope and prayer is always for life change. Here is today's message. Be blessed as you listen. Daniel chapter 2 is where I'll be this morning. The Bible says, now in the second year, of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, (laughs) and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Then he gave the command to call all the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans, or Chaldeans, to tell the king his dream. So they came and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I have had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will give the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. (laughs) If you do not make known to me, or make known the dream to me, and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces. This guy is completely unhinged. And your houses shall be made an ash heap. However, if you tell me the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts, rewards, great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. They answered again and said, let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will give its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know for certain that you would gain time because you see that my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, there is only one decree for you. For you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can give me its interpretation. The Chaldeans asked the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can tell the king this matter. Therefore, no king or lord or ruler has ever asked such things of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It is a difficult thing (laughs) that the king requests, and there is no other who can tell it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with the flesh. For this reason, the king was very angry and very furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out, and they began killing the wise men as And they they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. 14. Then, with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. Daniel went in, asked the king to give him time, that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they may seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. 19. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. I'm going to jump now to verse number 46. 
46. It says, then King Nebuchadnezzar, so after that, Daniel went ahead. He told Nebuchadnezzar the dream and the interpretation. I like verse 45, particularly the end. When Daniel finished explaining to the king the dream and the interpretation, he said, the dream is certain. Its interpretation is sure. You see that kind of confidence? Did you see that? He said, I guarantee you what I've said to you is exactly what you dreamt. He didn't even need confirmation. You know how sometimes prophets are like, who's Michael in your family? <laughs> They're looking for confirmation. Daniel was so sure. He was, he was sharp. That the dream is certain. The interpretation is sure. Then 46, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel, and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. Oh, God. The king Dan answered Daniel and said, Truly your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings, and a revealer of secrets. Since you could reveal this secret, then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Also, Daniel petitioned the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel, Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Father, we ask that you breathe upon your word. Give us understanding, quicken our understanding today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Hmm. Okay, so last week we started a conversation. Please, 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 we're going to be teaching this topic on and off for the rest of the year, all right? So I do it today and then I take a pause for a while. And as we get some guest speakers in this year, as part of our Lighthouse at Five series, we will touch on this topic also. So please don't miss any, of the any part of the series. We're building, and I'm taking it slow because we're trying to build a foundation. And we have a lot of runway, so I don't have to rush through anything. All right, so please go back, listen to what we said last week if you missed it for any, any reason. But we said a bunch of different things, um, starting from the fact that the supernatural has to be the way of life of a Christian. If you're a child of God, you're a born-again Christian, the culture of our Kingdom, all right, our tribe is supernatural, meaning that the results that we get in every area of our life should be above the natural. There have to be aspects of our lives that cannot be explained by natural principles or natural laws. That's, that's what I was trying to say last week, all right? Um, and I said to you that throughout the course of the year, as we go through this series, which is our, our theme for the year, that I have three objectives, all right? I said that my first objective is to get to the point where you are fully convinced you are convinced in your heart. No one can dissuade you. No one can persuade you otherwise that your lifestyle should not be supernatural. All right? It's to convince you that our way of life is supernatural. And I know for many of us, it's still a bit of a shock that what does that even mean? But that's my job, okay, over the next few months is to get you to a point where nobody can convince you otherwise, even me. All right? I will not be able to convince you otherwise after this year that your lifestyle should not be supernatural. That the supernatural is our way of life. It's our culture. It's our culture. The second objective I have is to help you live out the supernatural frequently. All right? Frequently. That's important. So that means that you don't just have one supernatural encounter in five years or one every other year, that you live out the supernatural as a way of life. That's the critical thing, as a way of life. I'm sure everyone here has had one supernatural thing happen to them, one testimony, one thing that God did in your life. But it's not just about one. You should, be able, you should, you should have a catalog, if you know what I mean. 
and say, if you, if you want to testify, if I ever called you forward and say, share a testimony about something God is doing in your life, you should browse and say, mm, 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 I'll pick this one. Because there are so many. You know what I mean? There's so many things that God is doing. So frequently, frequently. And the third objective is to help you live out the supernatural in every pillar of your life. In other words, the supernatural is not just limited to your church life, as we, we often think. It's only when we come to church we want to see the hand of God move. But every pillar of your life, every aspect of your life must have a supernatural touch. Does that make sense? Come on, talk to me. Does that make sense? Makes sense. All right. So let's, let's continue from there. Let's start to talk about the pillars of life. And I, I talked about this last week, but I want to, I want to kind of dig in a little bit more. Um, and I said to us that we have several pillars of our lives. One of the pillars of our lives is our spiritual life. Your spiritual life. That's your relationship with God. If you're not born again, if you've not given your heart to Jesus, you don't have a relationship with God, then that part, that pillar, this one, does not exist. Does not exist, all right? So, but everything else kind of flows from there if you're a child of God. Your work, your finances, your health, your relationships, your family, everything else flows from your spiritual life if you are a child of God, all right? And I said to you that, your spiritual life, of course, should be supernatural, but let's leave that aside because you expect that part to be. But I'm talking about all the other pillars, like your relationships. I said that your relationship speaks to your friendships, the people in your life, your coworkers. The, the relationships that you have should be supernatural. I told you about David, David and Jonathan. That was a supernatural relationship. All our friendships don't have to be completely Basic, if you know what I mean, where there, there, there has to be more value that comes out of the relationships that we have. David was a guy, by the way, who was particularly blessed with supernatural relationships. If you think about David's mighty men, you remember those guys? In First Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 1, the Bible says, now these were the men that came to David while he was in Ziklag. He was a fugitive from Saul. Now, what makes these men supernatural? <laughs> the Bible says that they were armed Okay, they were mighty men and they were helpers in war. Hold on one second. What David needed at that point in his life were helpers in war. So if David, people came to David at that time and said, oh, we are comedians. David like, I don't want to laugh. I'm fighting battles for my life. That means that the people who come to your life in every season can be the exact kind of people you need. That's supernatural. They came to him. The Bible says they came to David at Ziklag. He was in a stronghold. Saul couldn't find him, but these men could find him. Yeah, and the Bible says they were helpers in war, mighty men. In verse 2, the Bible says something, that they were armed with bows, and they were trained men of war. You see why this is supernatural? It's because at this time, Saul was king in Israel. And the Bible records that when Saul was king in Israel, nobody had a sword except for David and Saul. Now, Saul is the kind of pastor you should never have. He's the only prophet. He's the only one that can hear God. Anyways, let's not even go there. That's not my topic for today. But in, when Saul was king, no one in Israel had a, had a weapon. That's why Goliath came out and everybody ran away. Only David and Saul had weapons. But these men, the Bible says they didn't have swords and spears, but they had bows and arrows. So they had something. They had something. So that's a supernatural relationship. They were Saul's brethren. Should I say that again? They were Saul's family members. That's supernatural. Supernatural. Supernatural relationships in life. Supernatural relationships. I said that, you know, the work of your hands can be supernatural. And I said your career, your business, 
if you're a student, your academics, or if you're in ministry, your ministry. It can be supernatural. It can be supernatural. You know, your work of your hands can be supernatural. Let's, I'll, I'll touch on that later. Your finances can be supernatural, right? Your finances can be Think about a man called Jacob. Jacob was a man who ran away from home. He ran to his uncle Laban. And when he was testifying about his journey, Genesis chapter 32 and verse 10, Jacob's testimony was that when I left home, I only had a staff in my hands. But now I have two companies of people. He had a massive entourage when he was coming out of Laban's house. He had grown. He had expanded supernaturally. Supernaturally. So your finances can be supernatural. I have become two companies. I have become two companies. You will become more than two companies. In Jesus' name. Finances can be supernatural. Finances can be supernatural. <clears throat> your health can be supernatural. Divine health. The Bible says that when they came out of Egypt, that there was none feeble amongst them. They walked 40 years in the wilderness and there was none feeble amongst them. Does that make sense? You walk from here now to Peter Hut, you start coughing. <coughs> there was none feeble among them. That was supernatural. That was supernatural. So God can do supernatural things. And I said your health is not just your physical health, it's your mental health, wellness, and also your recreation, the things you do for relaxation. All right, how you refresh, supernatural dimensions. And of course, your family. Your family. Your family. <laughs> um, you can parent your child in a supernatural way. I, you know, I, I know a man who said, one day he had a, he had a, a dream and he saw his son who was in university. He wrote some answers on his hand. He was going into an exam hall. And he woke up and called the boy and said, what's on your hand? The boy said, who, who's spying on me? <laughs> How can you see me, dad? The guy said, if you do that, you get in trouble. You get caught. They'll kick you out of university. And this is in London, by the way. So there's no chance for you to come back. That's supernatural parenting. That boy will never do that again. All the shouting that we do, <laughs> the screaming we do as parents, man, parents, we, we suffer. Oh, my God. We, we suffer. Supernatural parenting. Supernatural. Your career can be supernatural. Your business. I met a guy once. I went to an office and I met a guy in the lobby and we started talking. And this guy was young. This was like... So about 10, 11 years ago, actually. So this guy was a young guy. He was about my age at that time. This guy was a billionaire, okay? And he just started telling me, he said, people think I'm smart. I'm not smart. He said, I had a dream 14 times. I had the same dream about the business idea, 14. I said, why is God not that kind? Why is God not that kind to me? Because it was an invention. He, he didn't understand it 14 times. And he had to go call people that could build this device for him. And he got a patent. And he was a billionaire under 20, under 30, 30 at the time. That's supernatural, isn't it? Yeah, that's supernatural. Your family can be supernatural. I think about, when I think about families, to be honest with you, I think mostly about Mary and Joseph. Mary. Joseph is a supernatural husband. You guys don't like me. Joseph, you, the girl you want to marry, tells you that the Holy Ghost came upon me and now I'm pregnant. What would you do? You're like, you and the Holy Ghost, go and marry. <laughs> go and marry the Holy Ghost and leave me alone. This, I have no part in this. 
But Joseph saw that the destiny, the purpose of God that his wife was carrying came to pass. That's supernatural. Not every man can do that. So I want a romantic man, Valentine's Day, he should buy me 75 roses. He will buy you 75 roses. But if he doesn't lead you to the purpose of God, that's a very normal husband. The Lord help us. They're supernatural wives too, you know. The Bible says he that finds a wife, finds a good thing. Men are very quiet now. They're like, meh. Meh, finds a good thing. Yeah, and obtains favor from God. So a good wife will give you favor in your life. We'll bring favor to you. That's supernatural. Okay? So, those are the, the, the pillars of life, all right? And, and, and the truth about the pillars of life, let me, let me say this to you. Please stay with me. Um, is that <laughs> there are principles for every pillar of life. Please stay with me now. Please stay with me. Don't lose me. Every pillar of life has principles that make them work. And these are not Christian principles, just principles in general. So if you put back the pillars for me for a second, if you talk about your career, for example, there's a principle that makes your career work. You have to network. You have to have a good mentor. You have to be given to excellence. All right? You have to be good with people. If you do those things and you work hard, you train yourself, get some you know, certifications and stuff, you will rise in your career. Do you agree or not? Come on, let's talk. Do you agree? Those are generally acceptable principles for career. Whether you're a Christian or Buddhist, it doesn't matter. If you do those things, you will rise in your career. All right? There, there's a principle for family, for example. There's a principle for family. If you want to have a good family, communication is important. Trust is important, right? Um, forgiveness is important. What else? That's all. But if you, if you want to have a good family, you don't have to be a Christian to have a good family. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Have you not seen unbelievers and you envy their marriage? Yeah, because the man is very, very kind, very forgiving. Both of them understand each other. They give themselves grace. If you do those things, you would have a good marriage, Christian or not. Christian or not. Those are principles of life. If you think about your health, there are principles of health. Exercise, eat right, get enough rest, right? Those things, generally speaking. Um, relaxation, don't stress out too much. Those things are principles of health. You don't have to be a Christian to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're principles of life. All right, they're principles of parenting. You must instruct you must teach your children values. You don't leave it, to, to, you don't leave it up to um, chance. You speak to them about the values of your family. If you, bring, you can have an unbeliever who raises a child who's a good child, who's obedient, okay, who, whose values mirror what we call a good, chi good child in society. That's what I'm trying to tell you. So every single pillar of life has principles that make them work. They're principles of finances, and I've been telling you guys this for a while. If you save money, if you invest money, Compound interest over a period of time would help you become wealthy. All right? You, you save, you invest, you self-denial or delayed deferred gratification, right? Those are the principles of financial independence. If you do that, I'm sure you realize that the richest men in the world are not Christians. Are you shocked? Are you shocked? Do you think that um, Elon, <laughs> Elon Musk is in overcomers tonight, this morning? He's not in church. I, 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 they're not in church. The richest man in Africa is not a Christian. He's actually a Muslim. So these are principles of life. Wealth, the principle of wealth is if you create value, wealth will follow you. It's simple as ABC. 
That's the principle of wealth. That's why Amazon is what it is today. I don't know how many people in this room, you didn't get a package from Amazon in the last two to three weeks. It's unlikely. Why? That's value. If you create value, the principle of wealth is anytime value is created, you will make money. That's what happened in the house of Laban. Laban told Jacob, name your price. The reason why he could tell him, name your price, was because of the value that Jacob brought. Laban's goods increased. So you want to get to a place where a company will say, name your price, your value, <laughs> the value you bring must increase. And it's happening. There are people today that they'll tell just write your own offer. Write your own offer. I remember I was telling my, um, I used to have a, um, a, a president of Canada in the company I work for. Um, and he's, of course, a commercial leader. I'm a supply chain guy. And I was talking to him. I was having a chat with him. And I said, you know what? I'm thinking about moving from supply chain into commercial, into marketing. He said, are you serious? You come and join my team. Come and join my team. Just write your own offer. I said, are you, are you for real? If I write the offer, you will sack me. <laughs> because what I will write on the offer, you will send me away. But there are principles of life everywhere. That's what I'm trying to say. Every area of life has principles. Please understand this. As a matter of fact, let me say this to you. The principles of life are all in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is not written to Christians. It's wisdom for the world, for everybody. <sighs> Proverbs 17, 22, the Bible says, for example, that a merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. That's a principle of health. In other words, if you're a happy person, if you laugh, it's good for your, for your health. That's a principle of, of health. All right, Proverbs chapter 18 and 24. The Bible says that he that wants friends must show himself friendly. That's the principle of relationships. So you can't say, I don't know why I have no friends, and you're not a friendly person. You're not hospitable. You don't invest in people. You will never have friends. That's a principle. It's in the book of Proverbs. You don't have to be a Christian. I remember having a boss in, you know, when I was in Nigeria. This guy was an amazing guy. I worked closely with him. I was a junior guy. He was our CEO. And every time the company ran into a, a problem, he would just tell me, Go to this office and tell them my name. So I used to wonder, just tell this guy that I sent you. I used to wonder, what do you mean by that? Is your name the name of Jesus that can open every door? Lo and behold, you show up there. I just say, AA sent me. He said, which AA? This, oh, come, come. What do you need? And everything will be sorted. So I, I started to observe this man's life. Every single place he had people that were willing to do anything he needed. So I observed him. And I understood his secrets. He invested in people a lot, a lot. When I was getting married, he gave me $1,000. He came to me one day. I was a junior staff. He came to me, he said, young man, you're getting married in like two weeks. I said, yes. He said, come, what have you not bought? I said, I have bought suits, I have bought shoes, I have bought anything. He said, and you're getting married. <laughs> me, I placed the order by faith. He gave me $1,000 the next day. He said, go and buy your suits, go and buy your shoes. So if he calls me today, says I need something, I will do it. That's the principle of relationships. He that wants friends will show himself friendly. So the book of Proverbs is full of all kinds of principles. Proverbs 22 and 29, the Bible says that, Do you see a man who is diligent in his work or excels in his work? He shall stand before kings. That's the principle of career. If you are excellent, you will stand before kings. It's simple. Proverbs 22, 6 is a principle of parenting. Bring up a child in the way that he should go. It doesn't talk about tongues. Just in the way that he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. He will not depart from it. So there are principles in the book of Proverbs. As a matter of fact, take the pillars of life, write them across in a column, read the entire book of Proverbs, and put all the verses that apply. If you do them, you will have a good life. 
That's the reality. Proverbs chapter 21, I believe verse number 9. The Bible says that it is better for you to dwell in the corner of a rooftop than with a contentious woman. <laughs> Listen. So the Bible says this is where you will live. This corner of the rooftop if you marry a contentious wife. What he's trying to tell you is that if you're dating and you see that the lady is contentious, tell her, the Lord has spoken to me. Now, you can say the Lord because it's from Proverbs. That you are not the one. Yeah, yeah, that's what the Bible is saying. That's what the Bible is saying. Because, <laughs> so you, start, you say, you know, guys are very weird. Oh, I just like her passion. Okay. You like her passion when she argues. I like how passionate she is about everything. That place, that's where you will live <laughs> when you guys get married. He said it's better. That's a principle of marriage. It's telling you, be, you know, who you marry. But there are principles all across the book of Proverbs. Life principles. They're not limited to Christians. Life principles. You don't have to be a Christian to be wealthy. You don't have to be a Christian to have a good marriage or to be a good parent or to be a good husband. You don't. As a matter of fact, Christians are sometimes lousy husbands because we pray and what we need to do, we don't do. What I was trying to say is this. Being a Christian does not exempt you from the principles. When we do that as Christians, we set ourselves up. As a matter of fact, God would help you fail. Yeah. Because you're violating a principle of life. If you receive a prophecy today from a man of God and says, I see you in a Bentley, in a Rolls Royce, penthouse suite, you're going to be rich, and you go and sleep. You don't work. You just say, I've received the word from the Lord. Your poverty, it will be branded. It will be specialized. <laughs> you know what I mean? It will be specialized. It will be specialized. There is, there is the, 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 the propensity for Christians to think because I pray, I shouldn't do what I need to do. Everything, I will pray about it. Yes, you should definitely pray about it. But there is a principle that makes this thing work to begin with. So the supernatural dimension exists, but there are principles that make life work. You know, the, um, a couple weeks ago, we had our team rally here in the morning. We pray from 10 o'clock to 10.45. And while we are praying this, that, that morning, I was just standing there doing what I usually do. I wasn't leading prayer. And the Holy Spirit said to me, pray for businesses and jobs now. It was like, do it now, now. So I came up after the person, do you remember? And I said, let's pray for jobs. I command the doors to open. Da, 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 da. And as soon as I said that, the Holy Spirit said to me, I should go congratulate someone that I know was looking for a job. And I went to her right here. She was sitting, talking, talking to someone. I interrupted that conversation. I said, congratulations on your new job. And she looked at me like, this pastor, he's, we're not sure <laughs> if something is wrong with him. So she was sharing testimony with me this week that she got a job. But no, that's not the issue. The, thank God for that, by the way. <laughs> but the issue is how she got the job. She was telling me, I said, walk me through it. What happened? So she told me this. She said to me that during the interview, they asked her a question. The guy asked her, what's your favorite animal? You, know, you see, God will deliver us from interviewers that ask us questions that we have not prepared for. <laughs> What's your favorite animal? And she was like, what? 
No one has ever asked me. I don't even know what my favorite animal is. And the Holy Spirit inspired her and she said, an ant. Now, you and I know that an ant is nobody's favorite animal. In the whole world, there is no human being that the ant is their favorite animal. Does that make sense? She said, the Holy Spirit said, ant. And the guy said, what? Why? I said, because they move in teams. And the guy said, that's an excellent answer. Now, that answer came from heaven. That's supernatural. Ant. <laughs> not dog. Not parrot. Just ant. Eli was a father that violated the principles of parenting. And even though God had a covenant with him, God withdrew the covenant. God said, because you did not correct your children. And Eli did correct them. But he did not correct them forcefully enough. God said, no, you will no longer be my priest. And God placed a curse on his generation. So when Christians think that the answer to everything is praying and fasting, first, have you worked the principles? Because they're there for everyone. They're there for everyone. So my question to you this morning is this, and this is where I'm really going. Please, play something discernible that has to do with healing, because the Lord had asked me last night to pray for the sick. Um, um, what's that one? Powerful healer. You are the powerful healer. Please, give him the tune, please. You are the powerful healer. That one. Play, play that one. All right. Thank you. If principles work, why do we need the supernatural? If then... I don't need supernatural dimension. I can work the principles and I can become wealthy. I can prosper. I can have the husband or the family of my dreams. I can have the children of my dreams. Why then do I need the supernatural? Is that a valid question to ask today? Is that a very valid question? The first reason why is because principles fail. Mm. Principles work if all things remain equal. So, you can have a person who has never missed a day at the gym. They eat only vegetables. You know what I mean? They're on a plant-based diet. They get eight hours of sleep. And they come down with cancer. How do you explain that? Principles work. All things being equal. Principles can fail. You can follow all the principles of marriage. If an evil spirit is sent into your home to, to, <laughs> to divide your home, <laughs> it will not work. You understand that? Mm -hmm. That's why we need a supernatural dimension. Because sometimes the principles fail. Sometimes you say, I've done everything they said I should do. They said I should go on LinkedIn. I should apply on Indeed, Eluta. Everybody, I have a recruiter. But nothing is working. Why? We live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. And the supernatural is able to bring results when the principles fail. That's why you need a supernatural dimension. It's able to bring results when principles fail. Look at Peter. Master, we have fished all night. We caught nothing. Peter is an expert fisherman. He knows what he's doing. But the principles had failed. And Jesus said to him, let down your nets into the deep for a catch. 
The guy said, okay, at your word, we will do it. They did that, and the Bible says they caught so much fish that their nets started to break, the boat started to sink. That's a supernatural dimension when principles fail. Sometimes you've deployed all the principles you know. All the principles you know. I watched a video many years ago of Benny Hinn and his son. <laughs> this guy was going wayward. If you know who Benny Hinn is, Benny Hinn is an evangelist, healing evangelist and all that. This guy was going wayward. And one day, the man was having a crusade and the anointing came upon his life. Luckily for him, that day, his son was sitting there. The boy was like eight. And he called him to the stage and gave him a dose of the anointing. That guy's life turned around. So all the do not do this, don't do this, Joshua, it was just a supernatural. When he drenched him with the anointing, it was like he came out of, of a coma. If principles work, why do I need the supernatural? Number two, sometimes there is an inability for us to practice the principles. It happens. Sometimes the principles are not workable for you in any season. <laughs> a plane flies by, I think it's the law of aerodynamics, those of you who are physicists here. And the thing that the law of aerodynamics does is it beats the law of gravity. That's why a plane can stay in the air for hours. But if you're in the air and the engines go out, you follow the principles, but there's been a disaster. You cannot work the principles anymore. That's when you need the supernatural. Sometimes you're not able to. I remember Pastor told us a story many years ago about how when he was in university, and I think he probably shared it here when he came here. He was in university. He used to go around preaching the gospel as a student. And he'll come back into the campus like a couple of weeks before the exam. He's very bright. He would read all the textbooks and he would pass all the exams. This time around, he came back to campus and he was sick. Very sick. He could not read. He tried and tried and he was like he was going to die. He was crying, God, just let me read a little bit. I'll pass. He couldn't read. And then he slept the first night before the first paper and he had a vision. An angel came and wrote all the questions on the wall and the answers. And went and he woke up in the morning went to the exam hall the exact same questions he copied the answer from from the realm and put it on the paper and that angel came every night for five nights for five papers the students are like oh lord what <laughs> this can happen where was this angel but the truth was he could not practice the principle he couldn't study he couldn't so the supernatural came on board. As a Christian, these are the dimensions of insurance you have. Number three, the supernatural can produce more than the principles can ever produce. That's the third reason why you still need the supernatural despite the principles. I said to you before that the nation of Israel is a supernatural nation. Everything about Israel is by the hand of God. But one thing you must know about Israel is that they practice all the principles. Do you understand that? An average Jewish man is very frugal, very thrift, very, you know, good with money. There is a tribe in my friend's country. They're very good with money. They don't spend money. You guys know that tribe? Yeah, for those of you who are not from Nigeria, 
Um, there's a tribe in southwestern Nigeria. They're known to be very thrift people. They don't spend money. The reason why they're not as prosperous as the Jews is because there's a supernatural dimension on top of the principle. And if you're from that tribe, God bless you. Keep practicing your principles. But the supernatural is at work. Over and above the principles. Over and above the principles. The supernatural can produce more than the principles can ever do. When you think, <laughs> when you think about Israel, Israel came into Egypt as 70, 74 or 75 people. Came into Egypt. Jacob, his sons, their wives, and all their children. They met, I mean, they met Joseph in Egypt. In a matter of one generation, the Egyptians said, these people are more numerous than we are. Now, tell me, how many times do you think the Israelites were having sex with their wives? How many children were they giving birth to? It was not normal. How do you come into a nation and the minority becomes the majority in a generation? Supernatural. So the Israelites, I, in my mind, they were having like quadruplets at the age of like 18. And at the age of 18, they would have quadruplets again. They were just having, it was supernatural. And the, the people said, if we leave these guys, they will take over. So they brought them under, under slavery. Supernatural will produce more than principles ever can. Number four, sometimes the only solution is supernatural. You understand that? In some cases, you are left in a situation where there is no principle you can work that will bring the results you desire. The only, <laughs> there is urgency to an issue like the one we read in Daniel. When the king said, I had a dream. I know my dream. I will not tell you my dream. You tell me the dream and the interpretation or I will kill you. Now, there is no principle on earth you can work in that situation. Sometimes the only answer is supernatural. Sometimes you are so far gone, you are so deep in debt, for example, that the only thing that can bring you out is supernatural. And Daniel said, give me time. Now, Daniel is a strange man because when someone makes a request like that, if I said, give me time, I really mean give me time to plot my escape from Babylon. This guy had an understanding that if I go to God, I'll get an answer. If you came to me now and said, Pastor, give me maybe $1,000, I can tell you give me time. If you come to me and say, give me $10 million, if I told you give me time, it's enough time for me to escape. There's no, you know, no, for you to say give me time, it means you know where the answer lies. There's something you know you can do that will produce the answer. So Daniel said, give me, give me time. I'll be right back. Sometimes the only option is supernatural. And unfortunately, this is life. You will face circumstances where the, <laughs> your only shot is supernatural. There is urgency to the issue. Number five. If the principles work, why do I need the supernatural? You need the supernatural because sometimes there is spiritual opposition. Mm -hmm. If you work all the principles, you can get a degree from Harvard, get a master's from Oxford, get a PhD from Yale. 
if a spirit of retrogression is in your family, it would be as if you never went to school. Yes. What I'm trying to say to you is, and please listen to me very carefully. Listen to me with your heart. There is nothing in the physical you can do to overturn a spiritual situation. There, there, I mean, if the source of the issue is spiritual, you can do anything. You struggle, you fight, you do everything, but it can never overturn a spiritual situation. So the principles are limited to physical issues. If the root of the issue is spiritual, the only dimension you can bring is supernatural. And many times, the enemy will come against us with spiritual opposition. It happened to Daniel in Babylon a lot. As a matter of fact, Daniel was such, such he had such mastery of the supernatural that in his day, he dwarfed all the dark forces of the kingdom. Every time, these guys were all about to be killed and he saved their lives. They still conspired against him and threw him in the lion's den and he came out. Several instances, they only call Daniel when everybody has tried and failed. And when I say everybody, I mean sorcerers, magicians, astrologers, and Chaldeans. These are dimensions of voodoo. So, so Nebuchadnezzar was a king that collected all kinds of skill sets. If you were, you could read omens and signs, he would bring you into and bring you into his kingdom. If you were good at, you know, sorcery, he would bring you. And so when he, <laughs> whenever there was a challenge and these guys ran out of options, then they would go and fetch Daniel. That means that the supernatural dimension that Daniel brought over and above everything would always draw spiritual opposition. There is spiritual opposition. Let me advise you. I know you live in Canada and you think that it's only in, you know, Haiti or Jamaica or some of these places. Let me, I remember many, I remember what we were even looking for. My wife and I one time were looking at houses. I don't remember we were trying to buy or whatever. We went to this house to view the house with our realtor. We opened the closet and there was a shrine in the closet. And the realtor was like, oh, so cute. I said, this is cute. <laughs> My brother, <laughs> let me not advise you right now, but yeah, I'm, I'm not taking this house. I'm good. I have enough problems already. If it's spiritual opposition, you need the supernatural. You know one of the things that shocked me that the Lord started to say to me as I was studying this part? He said to me that there are two types of agents of darkness. There is the willing agent of darkness. So there are the people that are actually consulting stuff. Okay? These people work. By the way, you know that there's nothing, like if you want money, there are people that do money rituals. So that tells you that the supernatural can control the physical. You want power, you want fame. There are things you can do. All right, that's a, that's a thing. But God was saying that, forget about those people who are actively consulting with devils or with dark forces to advance. He said that there are some people who are unwilling or unknowing agents of darkness. And he explained it to me. He said, listen, in your place of work, for example, you can have a colleague at work that the enemy has an interest in his advancement over yours. 
The guy has not consulted anything. Listen to me. Hasn't consulted anything. But the enemy is interested in his advancement and his progress over yours. The reason is simple because he knows that this guy's ideology aligns with mine. Or with his, not mine, his. Do you understand that? Do you understand what I said? Okay. So if there's a person who um, is going to propagate corruption, the enemy will make him rise. Because it's about influence. So he'll get to a place where this person can influence culture on a mass scale. They're not herbalists. They've not conduct, consulted with any dark forces, but they are helped by demons without their knowledge. Because what they stand for will, will, <laughs> will propagate corruption on a massive scale, so he'll be raised up. That's why in the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel had to rise above all of them. You understand that? Yeah. Because as these men were sitting at the right-hand side of the king, Daniel had to rise to a higher, higher place. Devils can help a person have 200 million Instagram followers. Because one day, that person will post something that will lead 20 million people away from the kingdom. Yeah. But that person does not know that they're agents of darkness. So when, when Christians start to say things like, well, the richest people in the world are not even Christians. We tell us to pay tithes. I just laugh at Christians. We are ignorant. The enemy can raise any man up if he knows that he will get a harvest from that man's life. Whether you shed blood or not, it's not about that. You don't have to do rituals. Your ideology is what he's after. And so someone who has 400 or 300 million Instagram followers posts something and then people just sways the minds of people. So there's spiritual opposition. That's why we need the supernatural. We cannot rise. You can't compete with that man. He doesn't know he's held by demons. He thinks it's his networking, that he's moving him up in the company. He thinks it's normal. He thinks it's ordinary. But it's not. And that's one of the reasons why we must rise. Because if in that company, a policy comes forth, it would affect you. Like in Babylon, they came up with a policy and said, let nobody pray to any other god. Daniel was like, uh-oh, I'm in a fix. And guys said, well, I'll still go and pray to my God. There are people that can shape policy that will impact your life. So we need to walk in the supernatural dimension as a culture in every area, in every area. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe to our podcast channel. If you want to be a blessing to others, share the message. To stay connected, download our app and follow us on Instagram at Lighthouse Church Ottawa. We love you.